Welcome to the Empathetic Marketer Podcast. I'm your host, Brad Hammond, and today I have Hector Preciado from Law Clerk. Hector, it's really nice to have you on. Thanks for having me, Brad. I'm honored to be here. Really excited. So let's first off, just tell me a bit about yourself, who you are, what you do, and a little bit about Law Clerk. Yeah, absolutely. Hector Preciado, I'm the Director of the Man Generation for Law Clerk. I've been in go-to-market leadership roles in tech for over 10 years now. So I've had experience both on the sales side as well as the marketing side and the marketing operations side. I cut my teeth uh, doing marketing in search engine marketing at a startup back in 2011. And so that's who I am. And my role with Lockler is for us to generate more demand and bring in more customers. That's what we do and that's who we are. That's awesome. I love it. So uh, tell me a bit about your audience. Who are you looking to bring in and then um, I know there's some unique things about your space and, and where you're at. Just give us a little bit of an overview of that. So Locklick, we one of the things that makes us unique is that we are a two-sided marketplace for legal talent. We have both a supply side and a demand side where you have on the supply side attorneys who are looking for work. Um, and on the demand side, you have attorneys who are looking for other attorneys to help them do their work. That's one of the unique things that we have to look at both sides of our of our talent pool and of our marketplace. I think the other unique thing about it is working with attorneys. Attorneys are are very discerning professionals, right? They're obviously smart. They're well-read, they're well-versed, they're well-informed, and they have a very demanding profession uh, that is requires a lot of them. Um, and their most scarce commodity is time. And so we're competing with a lot of different things that they have to do in order for them to be successful attorneys. And because of that, we have to make sure that we understand that our audience is discerning and we have to approach them in a way that is that is unique, unlike I've done, I've done this kind of work in the past. And so for us, as we think about content, we have to think about um, first and foremost, the first cut, which is. Are they on the supply side or on the demand side? Are they looking for work or are they looking to, they're looking for talent? Right? And so as we begin to think about the type of content we need to produce and the channels that we need to disseminate that through and how are we going to hit the different audiences, we have to be very particular and very specific about the type of content that we use because if, we, if we're sharing some information with a potential attorney that's looking to hire somebody and we're sharing information about them about how to be a freelancer, it's not a congruent match. Ourselves, we have to be very discerning about the type of uh, content that we choose to share. Yeah, very interesting. So tell me a bit about demand activities you guys are doing. So I imagine, is it the same for each audience, but just slightly different messaging or, or different or walk us through all that looks like? In some ways, it's very typical of the demand gen program, let's say, right, where where you have a full funnel approach top of funnel, mid funnel, bottom funnel, brand awareness at the top, conversion at the bottom, right? So in many ways, it's no different from like a very traditional approach to it. In addition to that, it's a it's a multi-channel approach in which we're leveraging different platforms, we're looking at different types of content, because for us, we believe that content is king. So that's the first way of looking about our demand gen work. The other way, as you begin to kind of pull back the onion, right, it's, it's a lot around the audiences that I previously mentioned. Are you on the supply side or are you on the demand side? And depending on what side you're at, we have to look at it from two different funnels. There is a funnel for demand and there's a funnel for supply. And so as we're thinking through the type of content we're looking, the type of channels that we're looking to provide, our, our budget allocation strategy for us, we're always looking on the demand side, greater investments because we've got to bring in the revenue though. We can't bring in the revenue unless we have the talent. So we have to also make investments on the supply side. And I think that's one of the unique things about 
us and our demand gen activities and that because we are a talent marketplace that is two-sided, we have to approach it similar to like how an Amazon might approach like their marketplace, how, how LinkedIn approaches their marketplace. And so that's one of the things that makes it exciting. And that's a space that I've been in for, for most of my career. So, so far it's been going pretty well. Yeah, it's exciting stuff. And I've been talking to a lot of demand folks recently, and I feel like each person has a little bit different channel that's like working really well, whether it be outbound or paid or, or anything. Is there anything in particular in terms of activities, strategy, uh, channels that are working really well for you guys that you're finding and doubling down in as you go into this next year? For us, I think the topic of the discussion is a bit revolving around content. And content is actually the thing that's working for us really, really well. Because what I said earlier about the discerning audience that we try to reach, substantive Big rock content um, is the thing that's working really, really well for us. Actually, across our social channels primarily, we have white papers or ebooks. Those are interchangeably used, those two terms, right? But, but we've been able to leverage that type of content for us to be able to target specific audience through our social channels that has been pretty successful for us. Like we've, we've increased our MQL, marketing qualified lead volume of that type of lead, the white paper, the content download exponentially to the tune of like 300%. And so that wasn't something that we, we felt going into this kind of program that we could probably have an impact by, by doing that, more of that and doing it better and at greater scale. But we didn't think that we were going to get these kinds of results as quickly as we did, because this is actually a pretty new program. It's only been around these kind of activities. We've only been doing it for like about a couple of quarters, like six months. So those are the things that have kind of been working for us pretty well. I mean, among other things, but that, that's, the, that's the one thing I can, I can easily point to and say, like, this is, this is going pretty well for us. I love that. And when it comes to that content, what sorts of formats are you, are you finding success, success? Obviously, you said social and maybe tied along with that. What level of content is it? High level awareness content, mid funnel, bottom of the funnel, all of it? Yeah, no, I, I would say the, the success for that type of content. And by the way, we can't get that success without us having success higher up funnel, right? The, the, the white paper, the ebook. For us, that falls into like lower part of the mid funnel before you start getting into conversion. We wouldn't be able to see the type of engagement and download volume and MQL generation volume for that if, if we didn't have like a solid top of funnel brand awareness type of activities, right? And for us, we've been able to engage people through those activities, brand awareness stuff to eventually get them to speak and to consume like the more substantive, needier content that we're sharing through our white paper, which is around why is it that remote outsourcing of attorneys is a thing and, and why could it, why is it successful and, and, and how could you leverage it for your firm to make yourself successful from a, from a profit standpoint, not just from a legal practice standpoint. And all that has come through through making investment in different campaigns and testing things out. But but we feel that the approach that we're doing, there's a there there. And now our focus is going to be around like, well, how do we convert more of those people? That kind of ties into, you guys have a podcast. I, I think it's called The Successful Business and Practice of Law, uh, presented by Law Clerk. Tell me a bit about that. How did this come up? I think it's still relatively uh, new. What led you guys to want to create a podcast, add this to your overall content and demand strategy? One of the great things about coming, walking into Lockyer for me personally, as I take on, took on this role was, was the fact that our co-founders and our leadership were, were pretty much already bought in on the concept that, that content works, right? Um, they themselves are attorneys, um, our co-founders that is, and they themselves get approached all the time through multiple channels and devices for their time. The concept around Lockyer kind of revolved around 
then thinking around there's a need that we have in our firms that that is not being filled there's a huge void why don't we think about spinning this up and and doing it right and so that's how locker came into existence and and they started thinking about it through the lens of how do we engage attorneys like us and one of the things that they decided to do very early on was like we gotta have content 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 and so earlier on even when i walked in the door they already had video content they had videos to how-to videos videos on that are resources that you can learn about like the practice of the business of law and as they begin to build more and more content and them themselves being listeners of podcasts they realize we can do this ourselves as well thematically they already saw the value of having a podcast where the work now lies in for us and that's something that we've been going to do is one be more prolific about it and two be more strategic about how it is that you're leveraging that kind of content and for us, similar to like white paper downloads, our podcasts are mid-funnel, bottom of the mid-funnel as you get closer to conversion. And it's all tied to our hypothesis, which is our audiences is very discerning, right? They want substantive, meaty pieces of content that is going to help their business of, of law. And there's very few places where they can actually get it. And so uh, for us, that's where we're employing the podcast. We're using it through social channel promotion and we're leveraging it that part of the funnel and we're seeing strong engagement and we're getting increased listenership uh, and downloads uh, based on the content that we have that is focused again around the business of law. And so, so far it's been great. Now it's a matter of us continue to scale it and have more, more content to deliver. What's that production been like? Has it been more work than you anticipated? Less? About what, where you're thinking? You know, all the behind the scenes and all that. It's been about where, where we anticipated. I think for us, one of the challenges, as, and I'm sure for you as well, is in this podcast is finding the right people to get on the show and talk about the things that are, that are of interest for people. And luckily for us, because of our, of our co-founders and the network that they have as practicing attorneys and successful practicing attorneys, like we've been able to tap into their network to be able to engage people about the prospects of joining us on the show. That's been our approach and, and it, ha it has been a little bit of a challenge, uh, but you know, but we're able to succeed. Like from a production standpoint, we have uh, we have resources available that we've invested in that kind of help the production of it. Uh, there's tools available online that make it easier for us to do it. So from a production standpoint, I think it's fine. I think the challenges have been like on the bookends, finding the talent to bring on the show and then subsequently being able to promote the shows in a way that is going to help drive our funnel activities and help us connect with more potential customers. Absolutely. It's almost like similar to all sales itself, tracking down guests and finding them and then promoting the show and getting people to listen. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You, you know this better than we do. And then uh, that kind of leads me into a target. So how do you measure content and podcasts and all these channels? And some folks, I think, believe that everything should be very attributable to a sale or demand at the end of the day. Others are tracking things like an audience. Um, how do you track this content and, you know, its influence on demand and actually getting you guys pipeline? Yeah. Well, for us, we're always learning. That's one of our general guiding principles, always learn. And so to, to get to that point, operationally, you have to invest in the resources, the people, the time to be able to have visibility into, into how things are performing. Right. And one of the good things about marketing today, vis-a-vis -vis 20 years ago, let's say, right, where, where now mar marketers, I think the a perception around marketers is that these were cr like primarily creative people, right? That uh, it's about copy, it's about color palettes, it's about design, it's about finding how to visually make contact with 
with a, a potential buyer or prospect to have to get them to elicit an emotional response that's going to make a connection. And that's still that's still important. Those those design elements are extremely important when you're talking about specifically content as well, right? Um, but I think one of the major differences now is that there's also the science of marketing now, right? Which is, anyways, it's all about data, right? And it's all about being able to one capture the data, two analyze the data, try to make sense and construct a narrative around that data, um, so that you're no longer just kind of making hypotheses that you can never prove out that they that they work, right? It's the data tells you that this is working and that's not working, right? And and so for us, we wanted to make sure that we're building an operation that is data-centric, that is informing our strategic decisions about everything from core audiences, how are we going to target them, what channels are we using, what kind of financial investments are we making on a monthly basis to, to get us there, what are the results that we're seeing, right? Like no longer are you guessing like, well, I think that won't work because, you know, people seem to like that one and, you know, focus groups like, no, no, it's like, well, actually that one is better because this one has more clicks and this one has more conversions and, you look at your funnel activities, that's what you're seeing. That's a muscle that we're trying to build. We're still a new company. You know, there's a lot of work for us to be done. But I think one of the great things about where we are right now is that our co-founders and our leadership saw the the value of that kind of uh, setup early on. And we began to make investments. In, and now it's easier for us to look at uh, our, our data and whether it's going into the platforms themselves or the campaigns that we're running and looking at that performance or tapping into other third-party tools, like for example, HubSpot is, is one that we're using as our CRM, but also driving some of the activities that we're doing. So we're, we're able to look at data from there. We, we're using Google Studio as a console for us to kind of try to aggregate information. There's, you know, there's organic traffic that we're looking at where we're leveraging, you know, um, um, GA and we're also looking like AHRS. So, so there's like tons of tools and resources that are available out there now. It's just a matter of like, finding the right combination of tech stack that gives you the information that you need to filter out some of the noise. But for us, it's a numbers game as much as it is a creative game. And if you're able to kind of marry the two with content being like the underlying current of it all, then then we think we have a good recipe for success. I love that. Very sophisticated and wise strategy to get both that creative aspect, but at the end of the day, get the numbers and you know track it and metrics and all that. Yeah, no, numbers, data, data is currency. Absolutely. Very important. Well, Hector, it's been great to have you on. Thanks so much for joining today. Really appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Appreciate the time.